Jesus promised his disciples in Acts 1.8, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Welcome to You Shall Receive Power, and here are your hosts, Etienne McClintock and Colin Hone. Greetings and a warm welcome. Thank you for tuning into this program. Colin and myself are delighted to have your company. We are continuing our series on the book by Pastor Dennis Smith, 50 Days Prayers and Devotionals to Prepare for the Latter Rain and Christ's Return. And today we are looking at the lesson on day 28, Since Power Broken at the Cross. But just before we do that, we just invite you to pray with us as we ask God's blessing on our study today. Gracious Father in heaven, it's always a privilege to come into your presence as apprentices to learn from you. Father, you've given another comforter, the Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ, to bring us into all truth, to teach us and to instruct us. And as we now go into your word, Father, to learn, we just pray for the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. Guide and lead us in our thoughts and our discussions. Bless the person listening today as well. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Colin, I'm looking forward to this this uh, lesson because, I mean, the, the sin issue and, of course, the cross issue, the solution to it is so central to the Christian belief and the Christian faith, Jesus Christ and him crucified. Well, the whole plan of salvation, Etienne, is, is the restoration of mankind from the Garden of Eden. Mm. So we've got a problem, though. We do have a problem. The problem it is God, a big problem. It's a big problem that God yeah. had is in sin. Mm. And remember, sin is a transgression of God's law. Yes. And the penalty for breaking God's law, which is sin, mm. is eternal death. And so that is the whole purpose is what does God do with this? How does he solve this problem? He can't change his law, so he came up with a plan of salvation, and he came up before it even happened, which is awesome. Isn't that incredible that Christ is the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world? So when the foundations of the world were laid, Christ was already there to step into that breach as soon as sin existed and to take the penalty upon himself. That's right. And the gospel plan of gospel or the gospel plan of salvation is mm. right through the Old Testament. Is God's painting pictures right even from the start when Adam and Eve sinned, what did God do? Well, there was a lamb sacrifice. He mm. gave them skins. There was a lamb sacrifice. Yes. Even with Cain and Abel, Abel sacrificed a lamb, representing mm. the future of the Lamb of God, Jesus, dying and paying the penalty for our sins and That's their right, sins. Yeah. Uh, the problem with Cain, he didn't want to do that sacrifice. He wanted to bring his own sacrifice. That's right. From his, his, own, his own works, the fruits of his labors. Labor. That's right. That was the problem. Yeah. So... The good news, well, many aspects of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and one of those aspects of the gospel is that at the cross, the power of the sinful nature was broken for all who accept Christ and believe. Mm. It was broken, the power. Paul described it this way in uh, Romans 6, chapter 6, verses 11, 6 to 11. Do you want to read that? Sure, it says, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin may be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Likewise, this is verse 11, likewise reckon you also yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So when Jesus died on the cross, what this verse is saying is the power of the sinful nature in every believer's life was broken. Mm. It was broken That is an historical fact However 
it becomes a reality in the Christian's life only if he believes it is truth. Mm. He believes that by faith. That's right. Yeah. So when Jesus died on the cross, the power of the sinful nature in every believer's life was broken. This means the unloving you, the unforgiving you, the angry you, the lustful you, the anxious you, the list could go on, Eddie, and, <laughs> okay, yes. and on and on, died at the cross. So you were crucified with Christ. Yeah, that's what Paul says. Not Executed I that live, at the cross in Christ. It's not I that live anymore. Mm. It's Christ that lives in me. He's yes. saying, I died at the cross. And so that is just wonderful news. It's, it means it that you do not have news. to be controlled by our unloving or by your unloving attitudes. Mm. You don't have to be controlled by your unforgiveness or your anger or lustful thoughts and desires. The power of these sinful desires, attitudes and behaviors was broken at the cross. Mm. That is such a powerful statement. And the thing is, you know, we may think it's too good to be true, and then we may even exercise unbelief in the facts of the Bible. But if we believe it, that latent power in there actually gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. That's right. But the problem most Christians encounter when they read these Bible verses is that we conclude that we should then be able to obey God with his help. Okay. Yeah, that is such a common statement. So there's something wrong with that. Is that what you're saying? There's something wrong with that belief or that view? Yeah. Well, for example, consider the Christian who has struggled with anger. Mm. He reasons that if the power of sinful anger was broken at the cross, he can now stop being angry when something happens to cause him to become angry. Right. And he feels great relief and confident that he will now finally have the victory. Hmm. But soon something happens to cause him to feel anger. Perhaps someone cuts you off while you're driving or someone says something very unkind to him. Yes. Immediately anger arises and he starts putting forth effort to subdue it. Mm. However, he finds that it keeps lingering. Yeah. And he turns his mind away from the event or the words that cause the anger. He tries to reason with himself about not being angry at the situation. And sometimes he can move on and the anger leaves and other times he seems to linger. Mm. So we want to look at how this really works. That would be good to unpack that because I think that is a common view that, you know, God does some and we do some. And we want to look at the victory and exaltation of Christ, of Jesus Christ. Mm. The sinless life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ are basically the foundation to the Christian's victory over temptation Amen. and sin. Mm. It's because of these events in Christ's life that the believer can live a consistently obedient life. So we're freed from the guilt, the penalty and power of sin, and we're declared righteous. And first we've got to realize that Jesus himself was tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin. Yeah. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, just to confirm this. It says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points, and the word points is out of there, was in all tempted as we are, yet without sin. So Jesus did not sin in thought, Word or deed, he lived a perfectly sinless, righteous life. Mm. And we can confirm that in First Peter chapter 2, verse 22. But regarding Jesus, it says, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. And because of the fact the believer has a perfect, righteous life of Christ covering him, because Christ lived the perfect, righteous life. Mm. He stands righteous in Christ before God. And when God looks at him, he sees Christ's righteousness. This is righteous by faith. The righteousness is not obtained by the Christian obeying the law of God. It's obtained by faith in Christ mm. who obeyed God's law. It sounds like a subtle difference, but it is a significant difference. Mm. One 
produces success in the Christian walk and the other one constant failure. That's right. Mm. And Paul pointed out this truth when he wrote of how the Gentiles have obtained righteousness while Israel, who sought to be righteous by keeping God's commandments, failed in achieving righteousness. We can read that in Romans chapter 9, verses 30 to 32. Mm, said, What shall we say then, that the Gentiles, which followed not after righteousness, have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith? But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, has not attained to the law of righteousness. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith, but as it were by the works of the law. There you go. See, the Gentiles... Mm. They sought it in faith, in Christ's righteousness. Mm. That's how they did. Abraham did the same. Yes, he did. Yeah. And secondly, when Christ died on the cross, he died the death we deserve because of our sins. Remember, what is the penalty for sin? Yeah, well, Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So when Christ died on the cross, he died the death we deserve because of our sins. Mm. And as you said, the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death in Romans 6.23. So what happens is our sins were placed on Jesus and he paid the price for our disobedience. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5 to 6 confirms this. And it says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Iniquity means sins. That's right, yes. He laid the sins on him. And even deliberate sin is included in iniquity. And so the price was death. Hmm. And that is why at one point on the cross, Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? In Matthew 27, verse 46, he cries that out. Yes. At that moment, he was dying the death of of a God-forsaken sinner. He cannot see through the tomb because he allowed himself to be enshrouded in our sins, which separated him from the Father. Mm. Isaiah 59 verse 2 says that our iniquities have separated us from God, so he will not hear. So Christ became sin. He was made sin on the cross there, and that separated him from God. He experienced what we would call in the Bible the second death, which is eternal separation from God. Incredible. And because of this, we can be forgiven for our sins and receive the assurance of eternal life. 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's good news, Eddie. That's great news. So because of this, we can be forgiven our sins and receive the assurance of eternal life. Mm. So what happened is Jesus took our sins and the death penalty and he gives to us his righteousness and eternal life. Yes. In other words, what we deserved, he took, and what he deserved, which is eternal life, we can receive. receive. Yeah, isn't because that Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21? It says, He who knew no sin was made sin for us, that we might become or be made the righteousness of God in him. You know, we were just reading that out of 1 John, and it's one of my favorite epistles, 1 John. Mm. And uh, 1 John chapter 5, verse 11 to 13, it says, And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know, so this is something we can know for sure, that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. 
What an amazing gift from God. Oh, beautiful gift, I mean, yeah. That's why if that doesn't demonstrate God's love, I don't know what does. Mm. You know, that's why God, you know, that famous Bible verse says that God said love the world. That's right, yeah. The world says not just the righteous, it's the world, and there's no one righteous in the world. That's right. So God said, yeah. love the world that he gave his only begotten son, mm. that whoever believe in him shall receive what? Everlasting life, Everlasting eternal life. life. Yeah. yeah. Praise God for that. Mm. Thirdly, as we've seen, when Christ died on the cross, the power of the sinful nature of the believer was broken. Peter refers to this when he wrote in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. He's referring back to Isaiah there, isn't 53, he? 53, that's right. He says, by yeah, his stripes language. we are healed. Mm. And so here Peter says the same thing Paul taught when he wrote in Romans chapter 6, verse 6. See, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. We don't have to serve sin anymore. That's the good news. Mm, it's beautiful. So what happened with Christ's resurrection and exaltation? So this being said, it would mean nothing without Christ's resurrection from the dead, would it? That's dead right. And Paul tells us that Christ was declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness by mm. the resurrection from the dead, in Romans chapter 1, verse 4. So what happened is Jesus' resurrection validated that he was who he claimed to be. Mm. Because without the resurrection, it was just all talk, isn't it? That's the true. resurrection confirmed and proved that he had that the power over dead. And so it validated who he was and who he claimed to be. Mm. And that he successfully completed the work he came to accomplish. Our total and complete salvation from sin. That was his purpose. Yeah, Paul actually has a big discussion regarding the resurrection and talking to some people who are saying that the resurrection is now gone. Mm. And, he, and some people who doesn't, don't believe in the resurrection. We know, for example, the Sadducees in Jesus' day didn't believe in it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, from verse 14, it says, And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. So this obviously means that the resurrection of Christ is just as important as his death was because that proves who he was and the fact that he was able to be set free from um, the, the power of sin, which is death. And the fact that he died proved that he paid the price for sins, but the fact that he was raised proved that he was sinless, and therefore we can partake of that sinlessness that Christ offers us, well, that victory over sin. It proved that he accomplished that, doesn't it? That's right. It's proof. Mm. And um, so what's our part? But notice that it was a past tense. He has already done this. Yes. It's an accomplished fact. Mm. Our part is to believe it by faith. And I love what Paul says in his letter to Ephesians, where he further explains Christ's position as the result of his accomplished work on earth. And he prays that all believers would understand this. This is in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 and 23. Let's just read that slowly, Edian. Okay. It says, That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints are, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. There it is, who believe. Mm. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead 
and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principalities and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and have put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. Wow. So Paul is telling us that Christ is exalted above every principality, power, might, dominion, and name, Mm. and that all things are under his feet, meaning all things are under his authority and his power. And Paul prayed that we would understand this, that we would know the hope of our calling, the glory of this inheritance we have in Christ and the exceedingly greatness of his power that is available, catch this, Mm. to us. It's very clear that Christ had the power. You know, we look at uh, Matthew 28, it says, All power on in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. And then under that power, he says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. That's right. So that Christ has the power is very clear. Is it all power? It is all power. All power is given. So there's no, there's no exception to that. So e- everything, and then we just read that before, you know, whether it be dominions or principalities, uh, the, the power, everything has been placed under him, under his authority. Right. So now, do we have the ability to access? I'm just wondering if we can look at that a little bit further. Do we have the ability to access that power? And if so, how? Well, I think Jesus made it clear, didn't he? He mm. said, ask. In Luke chapter 11, he right, said, ask yes. for it, didn't he? He did. He said, ask mm. for it. So our resurrection exalted in Christ. In the second chapter of Ephesians, Paul further explains this with the words in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5 to 7. It says, even when we were dead in sins, God has quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. So what's Paul saying here? What is he saying here? That besides being crucified, what he's saying is besides being crucified with Christ mm. when he died, we will, guess what? We were also raised to life with him mm. in his resurrection. It's definitely talking about a whole spiritual. I mean, I know Christ literally died and Christ was literally raised, but from our perspective, it's talking from us entering into that in a spiritual sense because it says when we were dead in sins. So that is, you know, we we were condemned to death. We were, you know, living in sin, doing sinful things. It says while we were in that state that he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And then subsequent to that, we were when Christ was raised, we were raised with him. That, that is such a beautiful truth. That is the, I think that is the essence of the gospel. So spiritually, we were crucified with Christ. Mm. We're also spiritually raised to life with him in his resurrection. Amen. Which means then, besides that, we are now so sitting together in Christ in heaven. Therefore, the believer who is abiding in Christ is with Christ in heaven Mm. and is also exalted in Christ above every principality, power, might, dominion, and name. And that all things are under the believer's feet. That is powerful. Under his authority and power. Mm. This is a truth that must also be believed in order to have the victory over all temptation and sin. So, yeah, the all power of Christ includes us because we were executed with him. We were buried with him, and we've been raised in newness of life, and now by faith we can sit in heavenly places with him who has dominion and power and authority over everything. 
Does the Bible confirm that we have this authority or the believer has this authority from Jesus? Well, I think Jesus makes some comments on that, doesn't he? Yeah, in Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Let's have a look at that. Jesus says, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. There it is. He's given us power, hasn't he? So when, when we are confronted by the enemy... We can actually have victory over the enemy because of the power that Jesus Christ has given us. And when he's referring to serpents and scorpions, he's, reser- he's referring to serpent. Who's the serpent? It's the devil. Yeah. yeah. And scorpions are like his evil angels mm. or demons yeah. that are like, on, this, on this earth. I like the symbolism there. Yeah. So we can rest in Christ and receive the blessings. Mm. And so God wants us to sit down and enjoy all the blessings we have in Christ. He wants us to enjoy what he has done for us and realize that we are not to try to work at attaining these blessings. Mm. They are ours by faith. We don't have to work to attain these blessings. They're ours by faith. That's right. We are forgiven by faith. Are we not? Absolutely. Forgiven by faith. Mm. But guess what? We are also righteous by faith. Mm. We have eternal life by faith. Yes. And we're to be victorious over temptation and sin by? By faith. By faith. This is what Paul is saying when he wrote in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. How did you receive Christ? As your Savior. As, uh, yeah. As your Lord and Savior. As the victorious Savior. By yeah. faith. How Amen. do you walk in Christ? Well, have to be by in faith. In victory. By mm. faith it's by, Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God And it's believing the word of God That when God speaks to you We accept all the goodness that's in that word And quite often we, we read it But we don't want to believe it Because it sounds like it must be for someone else Because we don't think either we're worthy We're not good enough mm-hmm. Or we just simply think it's just too good to be true But all those promises are for us They all yes and amen in Jesus Christ Or we believe it's impossible Right. Well, look, if it was possible, why would we need faith? Why don't we just do it ourselves? That's right. So if we think it's impossible, what do we do? We don't believe it, mm. which means we don't have the faith. Which is un- it's unbelief. It's unbelief in God's promises. Mm. Now, some things that God promises seem incredible. There's some incredible promises. That's true. You know, did it seem impossible for, you know, Moses and the Israelites when they were, had to cross that Red Sea? That must have been, they'd got there and said, this is impossible. Mm. The enemy's behind us They're coming towards us And the sea's in, in front of us Between a rock and a hard place And a, <laughs> and a, and a, and a big blue sea In a big blue sea <laughs> And so But God Part of the Red Sea mm. Now that seems impossible Doesn't it to us as humans But for God It's not impossible So with all God All things are possible Impossible Yes Amen So God wants us to sit down And enjoy all the blessings We have in Christ mm. He wants us to enjoy what he has done for us and realize that we are not to try to work at attaining these blessings. They are ours by faith, Mm. to walk in faith. So our life as Christians is dependent on our complete dependence on Christ, Mm. not on our own exertion or effort. We are to sit and rest in the truth of what God has done for us in Christ. Also, you did not put yourself there, did you? God did. That's true. It's his initiative from beginning to end. It's not our initiative. Yeah. That's right. And that's why there's this great promise in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. It says, But of him, that is of God, you are in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom 
and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Now, other translations, it uses the word justification. Okay, for the word righteousness. Yeah, he became for us our wisdom, our justification, our sanctification, and the other word for redemption is glorification as well. Mm. So he, Christ is, in other words, our justification or our righteousness. He's our sanctification. Yeah. And he's our glorification. Notice in these verses we're told that Christ is our wisdom, mm. righteousness, sanctification, redemption. It is all Christ and nothing we can do in the area of putting forth effort. Yes. We simply believe what God says. Thus, our victory over the sin problem in our life is attributed to God and God alone, mm. not attributed to anything we have done or ever will do. And that's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 29 and 31, what does he say? He says, No flesh should glory in his presence, and then that, accordingly as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. That's right. Mm. And again, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, Paul confirms this by saying what? It says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So that's God's gift. Mm, beautiful. So, what a so great justification gift. is God's gift. Sanctification or being made holy, transformed in God's image, is God's gift. Mm. And glorification when we have a, get a new body, when Jesus returns, is God's, God's gift. gift. Everything yes. is God's gift. Christ is everything for the Christian. Our deliverance from temptation and sin is not based on what we can do. No, it's based on what God has already done for us in the person of Jesus Christ. Mm. When this truth becomes a reality in our understanding, we will then have the basis of our victory over sin. We will have discovered the secret of living the holy life God calls us to live. And you may be saying, yes, I see what the Bible is saying, but how do I apply it? to my everyday life when facing temptation of sin? That is a good question, and we're going to consider that next. Okay. So we'll just go on a quick break, and we'll be back after the short message. Stay tuned. Our children are so precious. Let's help them grow in faith. A Day with the King is a television series written and produced by 3ABN Australia with an aim to help children learn more about the Bible and how Jesus wants to be their best friend. Each week, kids are invited to join hosts Auntie Nat and Auntie Cecily through segments of singing, story time and Bible study. To download your own free copy of A Day with the King Bible Study Guides, visit our 3ABN Australia website. We hope and pray that A Day with the King inspires you and your family to learn more about God's Word this week. Tune in at 5am or 5pm Saturdays, Australian Eastern Standard Time, to hear A Day with the King audio broadcast or catch up on TV episodes at 3abnaustralia.org.au. Welcome back to You Shall Receive Power. Just before the break, we were looking at some beautiful statements in the Scripture about the victory and exaltation of Christ, how you received all power, that when Christ was executed, we were executed with him in the cross, while we were dead in trespasses and sins. And then it says that we were made alive together with Christ and we can sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So we've seen what the Bible is saying about you know, this beautiful victory we can have through Christ and his power. And then just before the break, Colin, you were asking that question, how do we, how do I apply it to my everyday life when facing temptation 
and sin. Now, we are in day 28 of the book, 50 Days, Prayers and Devotionals to Prepare for the Latter Rain of Christ's Return. Now, we're going to start just moving into day 29, which talks about victory only through Christ. And we want to answer that question. How do we apply it to our everyday life when we are actually facing temptation and sin? It's a good question. Mm, great question. I mean, we just discussed how sin's power was broken at the cross. Mm. And we want to see now how does Christ give us the victory uh, over the struggle of basically day-to-day temptations and sin. And so far we discussed the struggle every Christian has with temptation and sin in his life. And we can all relate to this as Christians. We've seen that even though the power of a sinful nature was broken at the cross for the believer in Jesus Christ, that fact alone does not give victory over sin. Mm. The Bible is clear and untold defeats in the Christian's life confirm, because we've all experienced it, yes. that we do not have the ability to overcome temptation and sin no matter how much effort we exert. Mm. Even if we ask God to add his power to our effort, we still fail. Because sometimes we say, look, how much power do you need? Mm. Oh, Lord, 50% of my effort and 50% of your power. Well, <laughs> it's still your effort then, isn't it? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah. And so, so basically, until the Christian comes to understand and experience what it means to let Christ give him the victory, he will not experience the constantly obedient life he, de- he desires. Mm. So we want to have a look how to present, how to basically how to let Christ live out his victorious life in you. Because Christ lived a victorious life. He did, no question. So really what we want to know is how do we allow or how do we have Christ's victorious life live out his life in us Mm. because he did it. So how can we have him live out his life in us? And when we come to understand and experience this truth in our Christian life, you'll never be the same again. Instead of a life of sporadic obedience and broken promises of God, you will in time experience a life of victory through Christ over every temptation and sin Satan brings your way because we learn how to let Christ live out his life of obedience in and through us. Yeah. So, I mean, is that life really possible? Yeah, I know. Is it possible? <laughs> I mean, many Christians say it's not. Yeah. You know, many Christians have said it's not possible. So they judge the Word of God by their experience rather than... Yeah. I mean, we could all do that, Eddie. I sure. Mean, yeah, look, I've done that. Constantly falling. And so your default is, well, maybe it's just not impossible. Maybe God just sort of said, this is the ideal, but... You know, it's okay. Yeah, just keep on striving. You'll keep on missing the mark, but just keep on striving and yeah. do your best. But what you're saying is there's another way. Okay, is there a way? Well, I mean, the Bible said I'd so. Like to know. Let's go and find out what the Bible says. Yeah. Well, is such a consistently obedient life really possible? Mm. Can we truly have victory over every temptation and sin in our life? I mean, that's the kind of life God in the Bible calls us to live, isn't it? The Bible has made that plain. That's that's right. I mean, in Romans chapter six, verse six. Yeah, it says there, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth, so from here onwards, basically, we should not serve sin. So what do we have to do before we could not serve sin in that verse? Well, we got to... What happened to it? We got to connect so closely to Christ and his crucifixion that when Christ was executed, we were executed with him. So it says that the old man, our, our sinful humanity was crucified with Jesus, that the body of sin might be destroyed. So that's step one, isn't it? That's step one. So I mean, acknowledging that the truth of the word of God in that, in that regard. So that our old man is crucified with him. You have to believe that by faith. That, mm. Yes, my, my old man was crucified with Christ. Okay? 
And then, henceforth, because of that, we should not serve sin. Hmm. What about Romans chapter 6, verse 11 and 12? Here's another verse that makes it clear. Yes, it says, Likewise reckon you also yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. So here again, we have to believe right, that we were dead unto sin, mm. but alive unto God through Jesus Christ. We have to believe that. And then it goes on. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lust. Well, you know, the whole thing about being dead, you know, a dead man can't pay, t- pay taxes. A dead man cannot offend anybody. A dead man cannot work. So if we have been crucified with Christ, you know, Romans chapter 6 verse 7 says that he who has died has been freed from sin. So the liability is taken out of the way through Jesus Christ. And if the old man's gone, there must be a new man in Jesus. So I guess the question we're going to ask ourselves every day is, have I been crucified with Christ? Mm. Have I really? You know, the, 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 our death, that, that spiritual death that we die every day, and also the resurrection are all essential components to uh, having this new life in Christ Jesus. That's right. Now let's look at Romans chapter 6, verse 14. It says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. So sin shall not have dominion over you. What is another word for dominion? Power. <laughs> Authority. Authority. Mm. Because of what Christ has done. Because Christ is in heavenly places. Has no authority over us anymore mm, that's because right. of his death and resurrection. You know, Adam was given dominion over the uh, the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the animals on the land. That means he was given authority and power. And in the same way as he had authority and power before he sinned, and of course it was usurped by, by Lucifer, by Satan, so in the same way, sin will no longer have dominion or that power of authority over us because we are not under the law but under grace. That's so right. grace takes that dominion of sin away from us. That's right. Now, do other authors in the Bible say the same thing? What does John say? Now, John hanged around Jesus. Yes. He wrote the book of Revelations mm. and the Gospel of John. So what does he say about that in 1 John chapter 3, verse 9? He says, Whoever abides in him sins not. Whoever sins has not seen him, neither known him. Now, that's 1 John chapter 3, verse 19. It says, Whoever abide in him. So what again is the step? Whoever what? Abiding, abides. So if you abide in Christ, mm. what happens? Well, we set free from sin, aren't we? That's right. Now, what about in First John chapter 3, verse 9? Oh, did I read the wrong one there before? No, no, no. I you just gave the you the wrong verse. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I gave you the wrong verse. First John 3, 19 and First okay. John 3, 9. Okay. I mean, it's easy to get those mixed sure. up. So, yes, forgive us. For, yeah, First John 3, 9, it says, Whoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed remains in him. So that's the seed of, of Christ. And he cannot sin because he is born of God. So what do we need to do to not sin? We need to be born of God. Yeah, we need to be born of God. We also need to abide in him. That's right. And the seed of Christ is to remain in us, Christ in us. And we need to believe that sin doesn't have dominion over us. Mm. We need to reckon, likewise reckon ourselves dead unto sin. That's right. But alive to Jesus Christ through our Lord. Mm. And we need to believe that our old man was crucified with him. So these are all the believing by faith. Yeah. Okay. Well, you've got to take the the, the word of God in these statements at face value. Look, sounds... I, think, I don't think it's cryptic statements. They're right. not symbolism. It's not prophecy. It's not, uh, you know. Now, we can dance around them or sure. we can just say this is what it says. Yeah, that's right. And now we've got to, we've got to find out, okay, God, mm. well, how? 
and he's going to clearly tell yeah. us how. Well, we've got to hear the word of God speak to us today because faith comes by hearing. So our faith is actually strengthened by hearing it. We've got to hear the word of God, believe the word of God, and expect God to do what he says he would do because we know the incredible power that God's word has. He's demonstrated in creation. Jesus demonstrated when he, when he spoke people into health again. You know, people had some fatal diseases there. There was some stuff that was terminal. Mm. And he used his word. And even when that centurion came to Jesus, you know, he says, I'm not worthy to come to my house because he said, look, my servant's dead. And Jesus said, I will come. He goes, no, no, I'm not worthy. Speak the word only. And when he said that, Jesus marveled because he had not seen so great a faith, not in Israel. So this was not even an Israelite. This was a centurion of the Romans. And he understood the authority that Christ had in his word because that was the same word that created us, that created the world. It's the same word that gave life. And if we have power in that word, that latent power is released when we believe it because we don't exercise unbelief anymore. We actually believe what the word of God says. And God honors that because we honor him. What's another word for belief? Faith. There you go. Yeah. Okay. It says, for his seed remaineth in him. What is another Another translation sometimes for seed. Is it not the word of God? Yes, it is. Is seed? Yes. Right? And didn't David say something that let the, the word of God is in my heart that I might not what? Sin. Yeah, thy word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. That's the right. seed, the word of God is in my heart. Yeah. Okay. So these verses clearly state that victory over temptation and sin is possible for the Christian. Is that what it's saying? Yes. Does these, this is what it says. That is what it's saying. Well, it's clear as day, really. I found this um, this uh, comment by Ellen White, a uh, in her in a book manuscript, page one hundred sixty one, and she wrote this in eighteen ninety seven, and I read this. It was like, wow, this really hit me, Edian. Mm. Let's read that. It says, "He who has not sufficient faith in Christ." Let's stop right there, because we want to unpack this. Yes, he who has not sufficient what in Christ? Faith. Again, so do you see the same thing coming? Through faith in mm. Christ mm-hmm. to what? To believe that he can keep him from sinning. Has not the faith that will give him an entrance into the kingdom of God. Wow. Look, that, that is, is a powerful statement. And I know that for some people that is going they're to. They're not going to like that. They're not going to like that. But, <laughs> but, but, but let's go back and um, unpack it a bit. Mm. He who has not sufficient what? Faith Faith in Christ. Faith in Christ. So what is she saying? She's saying we need to have faith in Christ Mm. and believe that who can keep us from sinning? That he. The Jesus came. We can't keep ourselves from sinning. That's right. She's saying that we have to have faith in Christ, that he can keep us from sinning. Mm. And she says if you don't have that faith, you don't have the faith to to enter the kingdom of God. I mean, that's a powerful statement. And then again, um, you know, in Christ's object relations, page 330. She mentions that moral perfection is required of all. Uh, let's look at another one. Yeah, but I mean, we just got to clarify that when we talk about moral perfection, we're talking about thoughts and feelings, and we're not talking about the flesh. We just want to be very clear on that mm. because our fallen human nature, our, our flesh, stays with us until glorification. Our sinful nature will have yeah. a sinful nature until Jesus comes. That's what we fir- deny. First Corinthians chapter 15 says when Jesus comes, 
that we get a new body. That's right. Okay, a new body like Christ. Yeah. Okay, so we'll have a sinful so nature. This corruptible then puts on incorruption, and this mortal then puts on immortality. Yeah, that's but it right. doesn't talk about getting new character, though. In that no, verse. that's right. It just says we get a new body. Yeah, we're talking about thoughts and feelings. So we're talking about loving God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and loving our neighbor as yourself. That's what we're talking about here in regards to moral character. Now, there's a great book called Desire of Ages. And it's from page 123. Mm. And The Desire of Ages is a wonderful book about the life of Christ. Yes. And listen to what Ellen White says here. Uh, She's quoting uh, Jesus in John 14, verse 30. Okay. It says, The prince of this world comes, said Jesus, and has nothing in me. There was in him, that's in Jesus, nothing that responded to Satan's sophistry. He did not consent to sin, not even by a thought that he yielded temptation. So it may be with us. So she's confirming what John and Paul are saying, isn't mm, she? Mm. In those statements we've got. And, um, and I believe that we are fast approaching the second coming of Jesus. We are. There's so many signs happening later, earthquakes in Mexico or, you know, hurricane after hurricane just going to the Caribbean and USA. There's so many natural disasters that tell mm. us that, Jesus is coming soon. Yes. And we can see that these natural disasters are getting more frequent mm. and more intense, just like birth pains that Jesus said. You know, birth pains, they become, the pains become more frequent. That's right, and more intense. And more intense as we get closer to the event, mm. which is the second coming of Jesus. That's right. Jesus said the same thing. When you see all these things, you know, start getting like birth pains. Yeah, lift your heads up because your redemption draws yeah. nigh. So That's we right. believe that Jesus is coming soon. Mm. And we believe also that the Christians who are living when Jesus returns will have gained the victory over every temptation and sin in their life mm. because John indicates this when he wrote in 1 John chapter 3, verse 4. It says, I think it's 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. But two, it says, sorry, yeah. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. So he's saying when Jesus returns. That's right. It says uh, we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear... We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So when Jesus returns, those who are ready to meet Jesus will be just like Jesus. Mm, Wow, what a beautiful promise. And the Greek word translated like in this verse means just like Christ in character, nature, and authority, Mm. etc. So Christ was victorious over all temptation and sin. So also with those be who are ready to meet him when he returns. Also the fact that they are living without Christ as their mediator indicates the level of victory they will have attained in Christ. Mm, that's, that's true. I mean, God would have sealed his people already. We, uh, we know, for example, there in Revelation chapter 7, the four angels are to let loose the winds of strife. You know, they've got the winds tied up there. And then an angel comes to stop. Do not do that because not all of God's servants have yet been sealed. Now, the servants of God who obviously have, you know, given their hearts to the Lord, they call God servants, but the final seal has not yet been placed on them. Once that final seal has been placed on them, as we read in uh, Revelation chapter 22, verse 11, then Christ can finish his mediation uh, as a high priest. As our high priest. And, and becomes what? Then he comes back as king. That's right. And then there will be such a, a, a conflict on this earth, such as which we've never seen, you know, and the, the plagues are poured at that time. And, of course, God's people then wait between that period and his second coming for his return. A short time. That's a short time. A short time. And so we know that Christ finishes his high priestly ministry Hmm. because it says says that he stands up. Michael stands up 
doesn't it? That's right. In the book of Daniel, mm. Michael, being Christ, stands up from doing his work mm. as high priest, and he comes back. So the thing is, how can it happen in our lives, Edian? How could that actually this happen? So what is the answer? So we, how can we live a consistently victorious Christian life? And here's the answer. Mm. The answer is letting Jesus live out his life in us. Mm. This truth is taught throughout the Bible. In the Old Testament, we find reference to it. David understood that victory came through God's presence with him. Like in Psalms chapter 16, verse 8. What does, he, what does David say? It says, I have set the Lord always before me. Wow. So they're seeing Jesus always, or God always. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Again, Psalms chapter 16, verse 11. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And also David also said, thy word is in thy heart. That's right. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin. And who is the word? Edian? Well, Jesus is the word, isn't it? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and then the word became, became flesh, flesh and dwelt among us. So if the word is in your heart, Jesus is in your heart, mm. the word is in my heart, the word of God, which is Christ is the word of God, that I may not sin against thee. Mm. All communication between God and fallen man has been mediated through Jesus Christ. That's right. Yeah. And again, um, Isaiah understood the necessity of continual connection with God for victory and peace in one's life when he said in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Mm. Also, the New Testament is very clear about the necessity of Christ living in us in order for us to have the victory over temptation and sin. Jesus used the imagery of the vine and the branches to illustrate this truth, didn't he? He did. In John chapter 15, verses 4 to 5, John is writing of Christ, well, Jesus is speaking, and he says these words. It says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can you, except you abide in me. So if we don't abide in Christ, there's no fruit. And says, him abiding in us. And him abiding. Okay, that's right. Yeah, there's a transaction there between the two of us, between us and Christ. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Didn't Jesus say that? Jesus said, without him, we can do nothing. He's very clear on that. But didn't Jesus says also, he says, I can do nothing on my own? That's right. He did say that. He said that. He says, I myself can do nothing on my own. So how did Jesus do the things he could do? By, by the Father, by the power of the Father, through the Holy filled, Spirit. He was born of the Holy Spirit mm. at birth. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was baptized with the Holy Spirit himself. And so it was through the power of the Father and the Holy Spirit that Jesus was able to do everything he did. Mm. And he was seeking the will of the Father. Now, John chapter 5, verse 30, Jesus says, I can do nothing of myself. Now, that's incredible for Jesus to make this statement. I can do nothing of myself. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. And Jesus is saying the same thing. Mm. You can do nothing of your own self. That's right. We can only do it through Christ, but we are to be grafted in. We've got to be the branch grafted into the vine. Yeah, he needs to abide in us, mm. and we need to abide in him. He abides in us, how? Through the Holy Spirit. Amen. And also Paul wrote uh, this truth or taught this truth in his writings as well, in Romans chapter 6, verse 11. Mm. It says, Likewise, reckon yourself also to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we're alive to God. 
through Jesus Christ our Lord. Mm. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, it says that when we experience this abiding of Christ in us and us abiding in Christ, we have the mind of Christ. Mind of Christ, yeah. Let see, this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, yeah. Philippians 2, 5. Christ's mind was filled with pure, holy, virtuous thoughts. Mm. If we've asked Christ to live in us through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if we believe he does, and if we believe he will manifest his love, his pure, holy, virtuous thoughts in our mind, he will do just that. Mm. It's a matter of faith, Eddie. Yes, amen. Believing he will truly manifest himself in our lives. Mm. You know, Paul recognized this fact when he wrote the words in Galatians 2.20. Oh, it's one of my favorite texts. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, so this is in our fallen human nature, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There's righteous by faith right mm. there in that verse, isn't Amen. it? Amen. Oh, First beautiful. step again, I am crucified with Christ. Yes. When step Christ one. died, we died with him. Yes. That's right. So we need to daily crucify ourselves with Christ, die mm. to ourselves. Mm. And then he says, but I'm still living. <laughs> That's right. Yet not I. It's now Christ that lives in me. So everything Paul, any other person throughout the Bible was able to do things was because they allowed Christ to live out his righteous life mm. in and through them. And by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And we also got Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 to 17. says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. So Christ dwells in our hearts by faith mm. and strengthens us. Strengthened with might. I just like it. So strengthened with might and is by the Holy Spirit. And it is in the inner man. So we've got to receive Christ into our lives. Now, can we do all things? Is it possible? Well, we can do nothing without Christ, but maybe with Christ that could be possible. Well, let's look see if the Bible says that. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Mm, what a powerful promise. And I just love, did you know the last mystery of God, the mm. mystery of God is going to be revealed just before Jesus comes. Yes. In Revelation chapter 10, verse 7, yeah. God says, the mystery of God will be revealed just before the seventh trumpet blows. Mm. And we're talking about the seventh trumpet is the last plagues just yes. before Jesus comes. Yes. The plagues are falling in. The mystery of God is going to be revealed to the universe. Mm. And what is this mystery? Well, we go to Colossians verse chapter 1, verse 27. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery, even among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. There it is again. Yeah. The only hope of glory is Christ in you, the mm. hope of glory. And that's why it says in Revelation chapter 18, verse 1, when there's a repeat of the three angels' messages yes. with power, mm. that the it whole says, world is lit up. lit up with God's glory. glory. Yeah. And what is God's glory? God's glory is Christ in 
used. It's a revelation of the character of God because what was God's glory when he showed it to Moses? He said, I'll have all my goodness pass before you. My merciful. And and he gave him his law, which is a transcript of his character. He gave that all to them there. Principles of love. Yeah. Yeah. So the hope of glory is Christ in you. Mm. And any principle that's contrary to those principles of love is not really love. It could be sentimentalism. It could Mm. be something else. And it will only be fleeting. But God's law abides forever. Mm. And that love abides forever. So that's that's um, that's just great news, and so by being crucified daily to self, and asking Christ to live out His life in and through us, we are fulfilling the promise of God, or this mystery of God, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Mm. And you see, Jesus had the victory over every sin and temptation. Yes, He did. And therefore, He lived a righteous, perfect life. Mm. And not only does He accredit that. To you, or declare that to you, or cover you with that righteousness, but He also wants to impart that righteousness and come and dwell and live in us and live out His life in and through us. Mm. That is the only way that this can happen. And the yeah. good news is that Christ says, If you're crucified with me, if you abide in me and I abide in you, I will do what I said I would do. Mm. That is such a beautiful study that we've just been able to go through, uh, that Christ gives us the victory. But that victory comes by receiving the word of God, taking it at face value and believing that God is able to do exactly what he says he would do. Not only that, we can look to Jesus, who is the author of eternal salvation. He's the author of our faith. And by beholding him, we see the victory of Christ in humanity. Romans chapter 8 Verse 3 says that what the law could not do in that it was weak in the flesh, God did. And how did he do it? God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Now, in which flesh did he condemn it? Well, the flesh that had sinned. He condemned it in the flesh. For what purpose? Verse 4 says, so that the righteous requirements of the law may be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh because we've denied the flesh. We've been crucified with Christ, but we walk according to the Spirit. And if we walk according to the Spirit, we have Christ in us, a hope of glory. We're going to unpack this a little bit more in our next lesson. Okay, looking forward to that. Mm. Of how how to apply this in our daily mm. lives. How do we actually apply this in our daily lives? Wonderful. So what we'll do is we'll just take a break, share our contact details with you in case you want to get in touch with us, dear listener, and we'll be right back after this short message. Thank you for joining us on You Shall Receive Power. If you would like more information about today's program, or if you have any questions, please contact 3ABN Australia Radio by phoning 0249-73-3456. Or you can send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. You can also contact us on our 3ABN Australia Radio Facebook page. We look forward to hearing from you. Welcome back to You Shall Receive Power. Just before the break, we were talking about the incredible power of God's Word and the incredible promises in there which we can receive by faith and then live under the benefits of what Jesus Christ did for us through His perfect life, His perfect sacrifice, and also His resurrection from the dead. So He's conquered sin, He's conquered death, and we by faith can actually already sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, Jesus seems removed from us, but we know that he promised the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. 
And Jesus wants to dwell within our lives through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit represents Christ. And Christ in us, as we discussed, Colin, is our hope of glory. So we're looking forward to glorification. But between now and then, we can have Christ abiding in our lives. We can be so intimately acquainted with him. And we just praise God for this gift of his son. Now, dear listener, we are going to just finish our study there. But we're going to continue the same theme in our next program. So make sure to stay tuned to the station when the program comes up um, because we want to unfold this, unpack this a little bit more. So until then, may God be with you, bless you, and keep you. been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.